special early segment on Ready, Set, Real Estate. And I am so excited for what we are going to learn today. You know the saying, you're going to learn today. And yes. on Ready, Set, Real Estate, we seek to empower, educate, teach our community real estate literacy, terms, concepts, careers, and we get connected with people from all over that are doing amazing things. And I'm excited to have my guest on today because this, as we continue, we are now on part four of our commercial real estate series. I check out the last episodes because we have covered multi-units. We have covered uh, just term concepts on zoning and what that means. And we've covered um, mentorship opportunities just, just in the last three weeks. So we are on week four. And, and as I shared before, this month was dedicated, is dedicated to the commercial real estate uh, series, or I should say avenue of the industry. Very, very important because every single thing you see around you is real estate. And so today I have Steve Richardson, and I should say Pastor Steve, Steve Richardson. He's a development consultant and CEO of the Los Angeles Clergy Development Council. I'm really excited to uh, learn more about what his organization is doing um, and focusing on for the community. He began his career in real estate and finance in 2003 as a mortgage banker with Novastar Home Mortgage. His tenure as a mortgage professional, he became, grew to become a high producing mortgage banker and real estate investor. And in 2008, he, along with four partners, opened an equity REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. That's the R-E-I-T. For those of you who have heard that, um, heard that word, but have not been familiar, that's the Real Estate Investment Trust, which acquired distressed real estate assets. Now here in 2010, he began providing consulting and development services for real estate developers specializing in urban fill properties. Successfully closed over 300 million transactions. He brings experience in residential, 
commercial land entitlement and development transactions with a career spanning over 15 years as a real estate practitioner. I can go on and on, but guess what? We are going to bring him on so he can share more about himself. Steve, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. And good you morning. are so welcome. I, you know, as I shared offline, I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be so insightful because uh, as, as I shared, we get to learn more about your organization. However, before we jump into that, um, you're based in Long Beach, right? And yes. yeah. you have um, mainly focused, uh, well, I shouldn't say mainly focused, but I see you as a commercial uh, real estate professional, which is nice. And one of the things that I'm always keenly interested in with our guests is, has the transition when you come into the business been, I'm gonna go do commercial and you do commercial, or is there this phase of residential and then you start to dabble? What was that like for you? Cause I mean, to go from mortgages to now the level of consulting and projects you're working on, we wanna know that journey. <laughs> well, if we go all the way back in time, we started off when B paper was popular you know, subprime, subprime shop ran that. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, the market uh, took a turn and most of the subprime shops uh, went out of business, right? I had a shop at the time, it went out of business. Uh, 150 banks went into bankruptcy and most of those banks were banks that I used all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So we had to kind of reinvent, um, which was not the easiest thing to do at the time because what I learned how to do in that period of time was to do mortgages, right? And I would buy properties basically as a hobby. You know, it wasn't really a business yet. Mm. Um, so we figured out. I just want to. I just want to interject and say that's a very interesting hobby to have. I mean, just <laughs> buy properties. We <laughs> just buy properties as a hobby. <laughs> okay, I just had to. You know, people are listening and who are like, okay, you buy properties for a hobby, and while well, people are still trying to wrap their minds about buying property. You know? Once you learn the mechanics of real estate and how the financial things work, mm -hmm. um, you can figure out ways to obtain uh, the real estate assets either through ownership or control, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the stuff I would own, some of the stuff I would control, okay? And um, when you learn how to um, utilize the skills that you have in order to be able to build your own portfolio, then um, you can put yourself in a position where you continually have ownership and assets and can reap the benefits thereof, right? right. So um, it being a hobby, it was like, you know, we needed a place to stay. So we bought a place and realized that the place went up in value really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe two, three months, took out a large sum of money and bought another property. And that's how it all started. So wow. um, I, I learned that you can leverage your way into other properties, but it just has to be responsible leverage. Mm, keyword. And we, we do use that on this show. We are talking about leverage. We, we kind of jest about the acronym OPM, other people's money. Mm -hmm. And those are things that people who can't, who are not really, uh, I would say debt averse. And like you just said, mm -hmm. good leverage, right? Cause there's good debt and there's bad debt. Right. Right. And I, and I think you, you like, 
you, you uniquely, unlike most professionals, um, really understand that coming from a mortgage background, which for me as a professional, when I'm working with clients, it's oftentimes when there's challenges on the credit or the assets or the income or the DTIs and the formulas, I always recommend they talk with the person that's going to loan them the money. They're the best person to tell you what, how to do it, what needs to be done. <laughs> that, that's great advice because the mortgage professional should be able to steer that person in the right direction or um, help them to you know, improve their credit scores quickly um, because really credit is just an indicator of character, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Fair Isaac and Company was created way back when in order to determine how likely it was for a person to go 90 days late, right? right. So once we've gone 90 days late, it puts us into a certain category in the system. And once you're in that category, it's kind of hard to get out unless you know that the tricks of the trade to get yourself out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we know that you can simply dispute uh, stuff on your credit report. You know that you can pay things continually or pay things down and get a bump in credit. Um, mm -hmm. You know that you could add trade lines and you could add authorized users in order to improve credit. You know, all these things we've done for myself and for other people. Okay. Right. I put it out there because when I first started in this business, I think I had a 540 credit score. Actually, mm. no, not even that. Probably like a 490. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I had to learn about credit as I was helping other people to buy properties, right? right. And as I right. learned about credit, I learned how I can fix theirs. I learned how to fix my own, you know? Right. So. I, and I, and I, I really appreciate that. I, and because this, this is the uncut raw, very transparent, talking mm -hmm. about the flips, flops, booms, and busts. And you, you just opened up with the bus, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, once upon a time, it was good. And then yeah. bus, right? Like, so how yeah. do we, how do we adjust? And I think it's a timely conversation right now, especially as we are, are in a shifting market. We are looking at some some things kind of taper. And for people who don't know what that means, don't recognize the symptoms, albeit from a consumer, consumer, prosumer, or professional mm -hmm. who are not privy to what 2008 and before looked like, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're in this this arena. And you just talked about, well, I now had to shift my model and it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. And so it, in that, you you talked about creating, or I shared about creating um, the REIT and the, with the partners. Mm -hmm. And is that something still in existence? Because I noticed that you, you had a blurb about we um, provide, uh, we, do, we do lending. So you have mm -hmm. the investors partner organization. That's correct. That's correct. I have a couple of individuals that I work with that I provide private money for uh, mm -hmm. to other individuals. Right. And then we also use private money for certain projects. Okay? Got it. In regards to the equity, we, we ran that for a number of years. Um, we mm -hmm. unwound that a few years back. Um, mm -hmm. it, it ran its course. But since then, we've had multiple LLCs um, that would purchase and sell property. Right. Because really, really, I don't keep an LLC more than three to four years depending upon how many transactions actually run through it, then you mm -hmm. sunset that when you start another one, right? Or you do individual ones per deal. Because if there's ever anything that comes from the past or, you know, um, you have the tax ramifications from properties that you purchased or whatever it is, it's better to sunset that thing and then start another one. Did you guys hear that? Like, please timestamp that right now because that was such a gem for those of you who 
are following the formula formulas of create the LLC. And then you've got all these properties sitting in that one LLC. He just dropped a major real estate gem. So hashtag real estate gem right now. Because, <laughs> yes, because see, I'm, I like leaned in and I was like, what? You're supposed to not. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, if you think about a company like GE, right? GE has multiple divisions. You have the one parent company, right? But then you have yeah. these multiple divisions that all do different things. GE even makes uh, uh, airplane engines, right? Mm -hmm. So G GE airplane engines is not the main GE corporation. It's another holding company, another subsidiary of the main corporation, right? So right. Um, when we started way back when, uh, the, the mortgage lending company was called American Equity Lending, but then we had another subsidiary that fixed credit. We had another subsidiary that would buy properties. So it was multiple multiple companies that all fit into one umbrella. Mm -hmm. So one of the strategies is, is to consider in order to be able to fa finance things within an LLC, but also to shield yourself from liability and to be able to market in different ways. You have multiple entities that run all into one financial system that provides capital so that you could have a good life and be able to support others and employ people. Um, the, the, the one main entity that may be the holding company or your marketing company, say, um, you know, say, say your company is called LA Capital, right? LA Capital mm -hmm. may just have a holding company. It may just have a development company. It may just have, uh, you know, some other type of company that's below it, right? So one of the things that we have to learn as a people is to kind of diversify even the, the intellectual assets so that when businesses are put together, it's not just all one business, one LLC, but multiple subsidiaries so that um, you can grow each one individually and then all together as a collective. My, so my, my our listening audience, and let me shout out to our listening, our, our listening audience on radio podcasts everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, Stitcher, and Breaker uh, and so forth. I, I have to shout, shout them out because right now they cannot see how I am smiling when you just said that. Why? Because I'm saying to myself, good job, Lisa, because I've got all these entities, uh -huh. right? Because they're doing various things all for the collective. That's right. That's and right. it's not, and, and you're absolutely right. We're, as a people, need to know it's okay to have the entities and the various branches mm -hmm. <laughs> that each are operating in different arenas mm -hmm. to can bring capital. So I was just smiling when you said that because I, you know, it took me a while to get there uh, as I was developing and growing. And I'm like, wait, I need now something else. I need to create a different entity for that because that's not part of this. <laughs> well, you know, just to, to think back, I think I went to like a Ray Reynolds thing way back when, right? Uh -huh. And Ray Reynolds would go around the country uh, teaching people how to provide uh, ways to protect assets by having multiple different uh, LLCs and then to get funding and funding in those LLCs or corporations, right? And I, I remember that concept, but I just I didn't pay him to do it, you know, mm. because really and truly you can learn how to do it yourself. But Wonderful. it's a lot easier when you have a, a trusted consultant that can handle. Uh, these types of things for your business. So then you can focus on the thing that you're really good at. And if that's sales, sell, you know, don't, don't be the, the, um, the, the corporation consultant as well. <laughs> We're not right. attorneys, right? Right. Yeah. It, see, and, and that's, that was a great segue into my next 
just my next um, commentary about what you just illustrated is that, um, I mean, clearly that's the value you bring. So when you're meeting with clients, is that part of a consulting that you kind of look at what they're doing? Just kind of share with us from the consultant in terms of the projects that you work with with your clients. How, what does that look like? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, right now uh, we're often uh, working with individuals that are really trying to figure out the next step in their business, right? Right. And if it's a faith-based client, sometimes they'll have a existing church entity that's a 501c3. Uh, sometimes they may have a CDC, which is a community development corporation that they've created, right? Mm -hmm. But in order to make those both fundable entities, we begin to consult in regards to uh, the way that the board is set up, the separation between the two entities, you know, the assets that are held in the church, the assets that are held. Uh, in the CDC so that they can begin to understand how to run their financial system, right? Um, right. So there is a degree of um, consulting in that regard so that people can begin to understand it in a different way. Um, we often have resources that are in front of us, but don't really understand how to access them correctly. Mm -hmm. And if we would begin to, here's a key. In your business, stack your business. And what does that mean? Stack your board, stack your dream team, so that you can begin to hire to your weakness to make your whole business stronger, right? And that's one thing with, with church entities, is that if they have uh, individuals that are within their congregation that have uh, high degrees or licenses and things like that, we encourage them to begin to work within their own congregation with people that they know, like, and trust to bring them closer to themselves so they can make their whole organization stronger, right? Right. Um, it's the same way with, with our businesses. We have to have a good lender. We have to have a good title person. We have to have a good escrow person that we work right. with. That, that makes our business run a lot smoother, right? Right. I see. And that leads me into, I'm smiling now because we shared off, we were sharing offline about the Los Angeles Clergy Development Council. Share with us what is what what is your focus point? What's the mission? And I opened up and for those of who are just chiming in, I did share that uh, I didn't get to share. I said I mentioned that I should also call you pastor. So yes, you are pastor, <laughs> which you you have a niche in what you do from a real estate aspect. And this is kind of one of the things I'm, I'm an advocate of, of those professionals that come into the industry is that you are you, and there's something you, you love. There's something you're passionate about, you're driven about your interests, whatever that is, that's who you connect with and you relay. I'm a real estate professional, right? I'm the lender. I do the, I do, I do sales, I do title, I do appraisals and so on and so forth. So you're bringing that your skill and value to that community you're connected with. You are a pastor. So share That's with right. us how you've connected what your, you know, your, I would say you're being called to do ministry and what you do as a development consultant. Well, in regards to ministry, I pastor Good News Church in Long Beach. Um, one of the main ministries that kind of kept me in, and um, anchored me to this city is mm -hmm. uh, working with the homeless population, right? Okay. We go and go under the bridges and go into parks and help people to, you know, get something to eat, number one. 
right. get some clothes to put on their back, number two, and then get the counseling and prayer and support so that we could begin to understand how to actually get them back into housing or into rehabilitation or whatever the immediate need is, right? Mm -hmm. um, that led us to begin to look at the church as a resource that can continually provide these types of things, right? Because if you look right. in any given city, most churches have some type of the auxiliary ministry that is running, right? Mm -hmm. um, often we don't have coordination between the two churches or three churches or 10 churches so mm -hmm. that we know how to maneuver people that are in need from one place to another, okay? And we began to understand that if this church over here has, you know, food this day, right? A person right. that is in need can get over there and get something to eat. But often they don't know that that place has something for them to eat, okay? So what we begin to understand is that if we can use some of the resources that the churches have, which is typically land or um, underutilized buildings, and reconvert those things into housing or build housing on the land, then we could make a 24-hour ministry that provides a way for people to get directly off the street and say, I'm staying over at Bethel or I'm staying over at New Sunshine. OK, right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, the other thing is uh, it, it gives the, the, the church an economic engine so that um, it can actually do ministry and not have to focus on uh, asking the people always just for it to have an income so that it can do ministry. That's so powerful. And you know what? So needy, because oftentimes, especially as I think I'm glad I have a team because as a creative, I create, create, create. And mm -hmm. I've got a team that will help focus on. All right, Lisa, we got to focus on monetizing this stuff. That's mm -hmm. wonderful. You want to serve. You want to give. Mm -hmm. How do we focus on making sure it's self-sustaining? Right. And mm -hmm. I, I think about that being so important because as I I'm in full circle right now with having this discussion with you. One of my first real estate transactions ever was actually commercial and it was a church. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, so everything I learned in, in real estate practice as uh -huh. far as contracts just got thrown out the window. <laughs> That's huge. That's huge. Because it, it was, it had nothing, it, it, everything I learned in terms of RPA, residential purchase agreement, right? And how the, the home inspection, it just, it just was so different now. I'm dealing with a church. Now mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm, I'm finding out that it's not as easy to finance a church. No. <laughs> and so when you say that, when you say the sustainability and, and not, we're not just reaching out to the people to, to keep the lights on as they as you hear oftentimes said well this is a keep the lights on right for the church right. but then using the land and the way it's structured like you said with albeit they have the cdc to buy more properties and provide the housing so that you have the income to now self-sustain and you get to focus really on the message, really on the mission, right? Yeah. It's very difficult for us to focus on anything we're passionate about if we are worried, concerned uh -huh. about how we're gonna eat, the housing over our heads, food on, you know, clothes and all these basic needs, all these human basic needs. So I commend you um, for creating such a uh, an organization and a space 
to educate and really lead because I shared and, and like I said, it's it's not um, it's contrast to what we're hearing about, you know, um, uh, pastors and preachers and and organizations, faith based organizations that are mega and doing well. Right. However, we don't hear the stories of the multi-unit projects, the 100 units, the 200 units of affordable housing right. to provide the need to the people that need it. Right, right. So when you think and you put the word affordable and housing together, it's mm -hmm. almost like an oxymoron in this day and age, you know, yes. because right. it's, it's not cheap to build. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so the nexus was to figure out a way to obtain the equity that's necessary, um, have a fundable entity that could support the debt, right? So let me break it down. Please, we're listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a piece of land and you want to do something with that piece of land, typically, if you've never built anything before and you decide you're gonna go and ask your banker at Bank of America, hey, mm. give me a $5 million loan because I wanna build an apartment building they're not going to return your call, okay? They just don't do it. And some of them will sign you on, but often they just won't return your call because you don't have the, the expertise, the track record, nor the balance sheet to be able to support, you know, a $25,000 a month payment, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so what we found is that we can, we can partner with for-profit developers that have balance sheet, that have the track record, and then bring them to the place with a with a partner, okay? And in the partnership, you have a land partner, and then you have the for-profit developer, and they can come together and make it happen, okay? Mm. Um, so that's really like one of the keys is that strategic partnerships can really change uh, the trajectory of what you're doing in the business, okay? I think in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Period. <laughs> Yeah, not just professional, but personally as well. Strategic partnerships, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. See, and I'm glad that you stopped there because mm -hmm. I this is not meant to be a workshop or a course, but definitely spotlighted <laughs> here. <laughs> today, <laughs> right? But actually, no, like, let me plug it because on February 22nd, I'll invite everybody come to the workshop we're going to do. Um, it, okay, be, great. So is this the oh, one nice. on the Eventbrite? Say it again. Is this the one on Eventbrite? It, I don't know if I put it on Eventbrite yet. Oh, okay. Because I was looking at one on January yeah. 23rd today. You Do you have something? That's the event you have today. Is that why you bumped our show? <laughs> well, yeah, no, it starts at 11. Um, yeah. There's one today that's primarily for pastors, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's one in February that's like for the whole community. You know that that right. that have a mindset to learn about uh, development, um, even from a faith-based uh, perspective, and that's that's going to be in February. Got it. All inclusive. So listen up. Um, <clears throat> where should we? And so I want to give you an opportunity to really share. I have you at. Uh, if you want to learn more about Steve, get connected. Have some um, ideas with. Albeit, if you're listening and you are so passionate about your faith-based organization and feel like you want to be involved to do more, and you, again, I share this with you guys, you are learning for your tribe. You take what you learn and you take it back to your tribe and you share this information because sharing is caring. 
this is how we learn and empower each other. Yeah. So Steve Richardson is based here, and <clears throat> I and I don't know how broad your connections are. Uh, I just want to definitely extend you as a resource to people who would like to get into your pastor's ear and say, hey, let's check out what you know, Rich, Mr. Richardson is talking about. So website, please plug it in. Phone number if you want to leave one so that people can get connected with you. And of course, you guys can DM me or connect with me and I can do the e-meet as forth. But I want to give um, uh, Steve an opportunity to drop his website and phone number now. Uh, the website is lahousingsolutions.com. And then you can always call Lisa because she knows how to get a hold of me. But <laughs> Uh, my phone number at the office is 562-495-8464. Great. And, uh, so L in Inglewood and in Long Beach. Great. So LA Housing Solutions with an S? That's correct. Dot com. Dot com. Wonderful. And let me All just right. uh, put a faithful plug out there. If you're looking, uh, the my, one of my friends actually made the website for me, and you'll probably mm -hmm. see it pop up. Her name is Z Scott. And if you're looking for, like, uh, someone on your show that really knows the internet and mm -hmm. SEO and how to make social media blow up and websites blow up and all that other stuff. She's, mm -hmm. you know, awesome. Yeah, we, <clears throat> we definitely welcome like, and that's the thing. And that's why I bring various individuals on the show because everyone has someone that see, I'm a lane hugger, Steve, <laughs> I'm lane a lane hugger. hugger. You know, I'm creative. I write. I, I there are aspect of real estates that I know and I do, and then I stretch myself to learn. However, I'm not going to be doing web design and graphic design and covers, and you know. So I definitely welcome supporting as we are growing. And this is for you uh, listening, who are listening and viewing as entrepreneurs and business owners. Get connected with a team that can help grow you. That's what's up. Yes. Yes. Steve, any final remarks as we get ready to wrap up the show? I feel like this was amazing. And yes, I will be coming out to the February event because uh, I, I, I said I shared this before when I started. I said, I feel like almost you guys. And I was, I've been very honest about this. I said, I feel like for for selfish reasons, I have been featuring the commercial folks because I'm getting more into being ResCom, want to do more multi-units. I'm being trained as a land developer. We'll be, we're working actually in our first project, um, the DMV area. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm growing up. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So please, please share with us any just words of encouragement, wisdom, as it relates to uh, real estate or learning, um, more and and growing, I think, as, as people equate real estate with wealth and financial freedom. Well, I, I can put it to you like this. If you stay on course, you will get there. Okay. Um, it is important to begin to understand that when you set goals and you achieve them, you set another one so you could achieve another um, mm -hmm. because you can actually go from where you are right now into wherever it is that your mind can take you, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a blessing that comes upon us that actually causes us to gain wealth, okay? And real estate is one of the biggest 
wealth generators that we have in our whole society. So if you're working in the industry and you're beginning to say, okay, I'm just tired of doing transactions. I want to go buy something, make it happen and, mm-hmm. and, and make sure that you get the education that's necessary so you could uh, recognize what a good deal is versus what a bad deal is, right? Mm-hmm. So that um, you can make your purchase or make your investment and uh, have a return that actually comes back from it. But don't just stop there. Begin to move the zero to the right because it's the same uh, type of paperwork. It's the same type of work that you have to do, uh, even though there's a little bit of a variation in regards to the skill set when you move higher and higher into high finance and and higher dollar real estate transactions, you're gonna deal with people that are a little bit more sophisticated. And um, within the sophistication, there's typically less emotion, right? So there's a a beauty to uh, moving from just doing residential and uh, embracing commercial and spending your time there. And whatever it is that you focus on will begin to expand. So wherever it is that you put your energy into, it will begin to work for you if you continually work on it and you chip away, you will actually create the sculpture that you want. So just be encouraged, be blessed. And thank you so much, Lisa, for having me today. Well said, thank you. I feel like that was all for me. (laughs) 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 I felt like that was all for me. Okay, you guys, you guys know I love you. Thank you all for tuning in on this week's episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. We will see you next week. Be sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel, radio podcast everywhere. You all have been doing amazing things with growing the channel. And remember, this show supports our nation's first real estate-focused nonprofit organization. For yeah. the youth. We teach children ages 10 and up real estate literacy terms and concepts and alternate pathway to success. Learn more at realestate100youth.org. Steve, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lisa. (laughs) Thank you. All right, you guys. We're doing it up. Please keep it up. Yes, thank you. Okay.